Hola, my Hawaii, Velina, Ia, Kohohika, Aho, Meaika, Iaeo, Noka, Iki, Ana, Mai. Live from Hawaii, welcome and thank you for listening to this episode. This is the award-winning Stamp Show here today, episode number 269, brought to you by the Southern California... Wow! <laughs> brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic... <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by somebody. <laughs> brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Stan. This is Becca. This is Tony. This is Steve. From Wikipedia, the Hawaiian Islands occupy most of an archipelago in the Central Pacific Ocean, southwest of the continental United States. It was governed by the Kingdom of Hawaii until 1893, Provisional Government of Hawaii through 1894, and Republic of Hawaii until 1898. It became the Territory of Hawaii in 1898 and then a U.S. state in 1959. The first stamps of Hawaii were the Hawaiian missionaries issued in 1851 by Henry Martin Whitney, who was a son of missionaries. Later issues featured members of the royal family of the Kingdom of Hawaii. That's it. That's all they have. That's the Hawaiian stamps. Well, today we have special guest Steve Inkelbarger. Mahalo for being here. Aloha. So, Steve, please introduce yourself and tell us why there is virtually nothing in Wikipedia about the stamps of Hawaii. I have no idea. <laughs> I never check Wikipedia. I look at Post Office in Paradise. And thank you for listening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm currently Plug pretending to be a stamp dealer right here amongst all of you real uh, stamp folks. And I'm visiting in Nevada because Scott and Albert invited me, along with my lovely wife, Ina. We're here from uh, Washington State, where it's a little cooler right now, and I can't wait to get home. So uh, as to my business, we call it Classic Pacific. Used to have a long name, but we shortened it down now. And we sell mostly Hawaiian stamps, covers, postcards, etc., and worldwide to 1955. We're here to buy. Oh. <laughs> well, you're sitting next to Albert, and both of you together are probably, you know, the most knowledgeable people about Hawaii, um, definitely in the state of Nevada. <laughs> We've just been collecting a long time and uh, schlepping a little. Well, what do you like to collect for a long time? What, what's your, what, what Hawaiian stuff, like, rocks your boat? Hawaiian town cancels from the kingdom period. Does that rock your boat? Anyway, it reminds me of when I was a kid there. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and I was on the islands, and uh, lived in a little town called Waipahu, right by Aiea, Pearl City, where I delivered the newspaper. Uh, I think it was the advertiser. In any case, and um, 
we just had a great time there. It was best best years of my life, three and a half years. I went to uh, high school there and visited a lot of strange and wonderful places. So when I look at the town councils, I always kind of fantasize and dream about Hawaii, even if I've never heard of the place. Spreckelsville, never been there. But I can imagine that that's the home of a sugar plantation and a, and a factory. We had one in Waipahu at the time. We used to have real pineapple fields. We had real sugar cane fields. It was cool for a kid of 13. Got on our bikes and went downtown uh, old Waipahu and bought our lihi moi and uh, just had a great time. Well, Hawaiian stamps to me um, are popular because of the tourism industry. Anybody who visits Hawaii, there's a certain number of visitors who get off the jet or used to say just uh, you know got off the boat and they would always want to take home some part of Hawaii, not just the lays and not just part of the, uh, the black, black volcanic rocks that they could be per cursed by Pele, Madam Pele, <laughs> but that they would actually want to take something home like stamps. And Hawaii is the only country that if you look at the development of philately from the 1850s and take every 10 years which countries were most popular, Hawaii has the o is the only country that has been continuously popular up to this up to this time I'll tell you I still have three of those uh, lava rocks and I was there for an for an eruption in late 68 and still have the some pictures I took really bad pictures but I got the lava and it's just never quit erupting since then she didn't get me yet you're yeah taunting. you're not supposed to take the black sand from the black sand beach I didn't do that there are many people who mail back their little volcanic souvenirs, like the black sand. If you go to, if you go to uh, Haleakala National Park, you'll actually see an exhibit, and they, they just show it. They said, all these things have been mailed back to us because of all the bad luck that they've had. <laughs> but, when you, but when you collect Hawaiian stamps, you collect something that you have good luck with. Uh, many people have built very prominent collections, and even... Even with a modest budget, you can build a representative collection of Hawaii. Remember, remember, Hawaii was a separate country when they issued their stamps, both as a kingdom and then as, as a republic. Um, the uh, turnover of the, uh, the post office to the United States took place after June 13, 1900, and then it was a territory until 1959. Today, even some of the early territorial cover since it's now 2020 so we've had over we have we've had 20 years of the first 20 years of the territory are now antique because they're over 100 years old so people are starting to collect territorial covers more well what are you seeing that people are most interested in what are they collecting the most i mean you brought up the town councils why don't you discuss that a little bit and then what else are people buying well Mostly, the really fanatical collectors of Hawaii do the town councils. That's not the first thing somebody picks up on, but it's the most interesting as far as I'm concerned. People collect, really, they just want a picture of the royal family. Like if you go to Hawaii and go to a flea market, you can bring out some stamps and sell them. You can't pay your ticket with that. But people want a souvenir of the kingdom, which they probably don't know much about, but they know an old Hawaiian when they see one. And so we <laughs> they like postcards uh, if they're beginners. Um, one thing about Hawaii that's appealing is after you've collected all the U.S. stamps that you can afford, you need to go to the back of the book. 
Some people collect revenues, they collect canal zone, but it's time to look at Hawaii. When you've only got 82 stamps and 16 revenues, this isn't a big deal. Skip the first four, you can buy a U.S. Uh, we had a, do you know the number of that? The U.S. actually did a souvenir sheet with the first Hawaiian stamps of missionaries on it. You can buy that for like three or four bucks, and that'll count for the first four stamps. Then, I mean, you're already down to 78 stamps. And uh, it really is a lot of fun. It's affordable for everybody, at least from number 30 forward. And then after that, you get really hooked, and you can afford some of the others. Does that answer your question at all? Now, there's some other stamps that are also not listed in the Scott catalog that are quite popular. And uh, not there. those would be the Kahului Railroad. And basically, it was a railroad to get that they, they built to get um, product from the plantations to the ports. Right. And, uh, and in Kahului, they actually used stamps for mail that was going to go on the railroad. There's other railroads, but that Kahului is the only one that issued stamps for use on that. Well, the original Kahului Railroad stamps were printed by the American Banknote Company, and they're mostly, the way that they were used primarily were in uh, large ledger books, and they were pasted onto the ledger books and then canceled that way. And uh, that paid for, the, that paid for uh, freight transportation. So they didn't put it on an envelope. It was a, a receipt. It was. There are. There are some. There are several issues. There are several um, pieces of postal um, uh, postcards, for instance, that have Kahluis on them that are actually tied. But we now think they're more like souvenirs than anything else. You know, philatelic souvenirs. There are a number of. There are a number of. There are a number of philatelic souvenirs that were made uh, from the 1880s on, including. Uh, including bisected stamps on cover and uh, um, sometimes and Hawaii actually printed a number of reprints and some of these reprints do come actually postally used but most of them when you find them on on cover they're uh, they're uh, they're basically a, a an 1880 souvenir one of the things that is uh, most interesting about the Kahului railroads is that they're actually mysteries we don't know why they had six values. Um, I see it here on Post Office in Paradise. If you have ever checked the website, they got a little article on it. It's not hard to find. Just look up Kahului Railroad. Um, they had a five cent, six cent, 15, 18, 50, and a dollar, and no one knows why they picked those values. There's no real records about the whole thing. Uh, they, they lost the records in uh, fire and a typhoon, right? It's suggested that why there's so many unused six cent and eighteen cents. They go back to the eighteen seventy one regular issue where they issued a six cent stamp and an eighteen cent stamp with with pictures of royalty. Um, they used enough of the American banknote printing that they actually went to the Schmidt Lithographic Company in San Francisco a couple of years later and printed more values, but they were even de even denominations. You know, five cent, ten cents. So it made, that made more sense as far as the transit of freight. And these come with cancellations of crayons and also of, of the word canceled on it. And sometimes you'll ha they'll have both cancellations and sometimes they'll just have either the crayon or the canceled marking. You just, uh, we don't quite understand that. Uh, the biggest problem is, is that uh, when the company uh, 
uh, they, they just they stopped using the, the stamps after, uh, after the turn of the century. Well, crayon usually indicated it was a parcel post, right? It was a package. It paid the freight. Um, you see that on registered covers and, and other, in other situations. Is that, that not true? Well, it's it's more that they were put on. I I've actually owned large chunks of the of the uh, stamps, and they're on the original pages, and they're they're actually hit with the cancel marking and also with the crayon marking. So uh, I think it was I think it was kind of like the, the postage dues in that sense, where a lot of postage, you know, there are a lot of mint never hinge postage dues that are canceled from the United States, and uh, the sh the Schmidt and. A set of these stamps now, uh, a set just recently sold in San Francisco of, uh, of uh, all the values for about $2,500. How much are they like the low value? So if somebody just wants to have like a representative yeah, A, a copy. six and an 18 center will cost you maybe $25. Yeah. And you usually find them with no gum on the back. That's normal uh, because they found whole pages of these after the flood. And they were just all glued together, and so somebody had to do a lot of soaking. A friend of mine who's no longer alive talked about uh, in Kahului, they used to ha they used to literally have a sol solid block of the six cent and eight cent being used as doorstops <laughs> for the railroad, <laughs> and they were actually all soaked apart. So that's why the sheets you never find them with OG. The only OG ones that exist are from the American Banknote Company specimens that that came out in auction in 1990. So what other stamps have uh, great stories like this? Well, the, the earliest stamps, which are the Hawaiian missionaries that were printed on basically uh, uh, tissue paper, a form of tissue paper, they have a great history. They were actually, they were, um, Hawaii and the United States agreed, negotiated from 1848 and 1849 on a postal treaty. And uh, the first Hawaiian missionaries were uh, printed were authorized by Henry Whitney, who was the first postmaster general of Hawaii, and uh, many of the stamp many of the stamps were actually torn off of the covers because um, he did that because it was just a way to account for himself that was supposed to be paid or not. So a lot of a lot of many of the Hawaiian Hawaiian missionaries are badly damaged, and uh, if you read the catalog, they're priced as having being re being repaired. Um, among the greatest covers are the is the two and five cent uh, Hawaiian missionary cover with the pair of uh, three cent 1851 U.S. issues addressed to uh, the Dawson family. That was found. That was actually found um, in the 1890s in a uh, in a furnace, and so that cover actually has scorch marks. Um, the uh, strip of three of the uh, number three of the three of the uh, Scott number three, 13 cent missionary that's in the National Postal Museum that has lots of scorch marks and you can actually see it if you go and if you if you go to Washington DC and look at the cover. So How's that's it? that's a great story. Now is it true that the uh, Hawaii stamps are the first to show uh, or depict a butterfly? Yes, that was that was uh, that was Lilio Kalani. That's uh, Scott number fifty-two, and it is among the most popular st stamps uh, that uh, butterfly collectors, the topical collectors, collect. And that you can actually get you can actually get quite expensive uh, uh, stamps because there comes an imperforate pair. And then there's uh, in 1893 when uh, the Queen was overthrown in January of 1893, and they issued they overprinted the stamps at the time provisional government. 
because they want it was a provisional government because they wanted the United States to annex them, but the but the current president of the United States, Grover Cleveland, didn't want to annex Hawaii. So uh, the stamps came out May twentieth, and uh, there are interesting varieties like double overprints on that Lelio Kalani stamp. So it's one of the reasons why it's for butterfly collectors, it's among the, their most valuable butterfly stamps. Becca, do you collect butterflies? Becca? Uh, Becca, are you awake? Bueller? Right, yes, I do collect. I do collect <laughs> she was on mute. So, and that early stamp uh, also has a couple of color varieties, does it not? There's like a mauve versus a purple, or uh, there are different printings, um, not that severe. And then there's also the proofs. Um, some of the one of the one of the butterfly collectors um, years ago had the only known proof of large die proof of that. That was in Florida. I once I once showed it to uh, Thurston Twig Smith, who was the printer of the Honolulu Advertiser. He had the biggest collection at the time. So he uh, he was amazed that it existed. And I said, well, somebody has it because they collect butterflies. <laughs> the stamps have a really classic look, uh, like the United States uh, 19th century stamps. Were they all done in the United States, banknote companies? Uh, the, first, the, the first stamps, the missionaries, were actually printed locally um, in Hawaii using the reason they're called missionaries is that they were... Um, they were first of all printed from uh, the same uh, on the same presses and using the f same type as the missionary tracks, and then all the people that seemed to, all the people that seemed to use them they were from the missionary families. Um, so that's an example of the first stamps not being not being printed in the United States. The first American printed stamp was the Boston engraved issue that was um, in 1853. That was a five cent and a thirteen cent stamp, and it pictured uh, King Kamehameha the third. The more the later the later American National and American Banknote Company stamps are um, are are mostly uh, images of the of the Hawaiian royal family, and that was because uh, Liho Lihu, he who was uh, also basically Kamehameha the second, when he took a tour. Uh, when he took a tour, he saw the, some of the early English stamps, and uh, he said, I, he actually saw the uh, Nova Scotia stamp, and he said, I want something like that, uh, which is why you have Scott 31, and then you have all the other stamps that came out in 1871 and beyond. Yeah, I always so call them banknotes. Go ahead. I always call them banknotes, just like the U.S. stamps, and... Um, Basically, he's he's right. It was a it was a Victoria, a stamp of Victoria from Newfoundland. Was that not right? That that uh, the king saw. I thought it was Nova Scotia, but it, you you could well, be yeah. right. It's some whichever it was one of those, right. right? And they did a good job at sort of putting Hawaiian faces and and decorating them up. And so that's number thirty through number fifty two, and they lasted until the provisional government in eighteen ninety three, and then they just overprinted everything. For a few years, if if a collector wants a representative set of stamps that not very expensive, probably less than thirty dollars, it's the uh, the set that was issued in 1894, uh, the Republic issue, 
Um, that's uh, uh, Scott seventy four to seventy nine. That's that's a good that's a good representative set, and also it's much cheaper. Also, for instance, if you just try to buy them used. As someone who has expertized a few of these, the professional provisional government issues have the double overprints, and they're all listed as like light, medium, or heavy. Do we know why that is? It's just the way that they were printed. Uh, is if those of us I know who has uh, printing experience understands that better. But we just we happen to know that um, it was just uh, some got a full strike and some just got got a, a weaker strike. They were class of, They were finally class of, reclassified in the specialized catalog in the early 2000s by Fred Gregory, who wrote the book on, uh, who um, published the book on uh, Hawaiian postal history, and he's he's part of a large committee of people that are, that have been working since 1986 to revise the 1948 Meyer Harris uh, Stamps and Postal History of Hawaii book. They're working on the stamps right now, the, the second uh, set of volumes. So that's actually a book rather than a website. It will it, it will be a book. Um, the first set of books was those that three volume set talking about the uh, the, uh, the evolution of uh, of uh, the postal history and postal regulations of the Hawaiian Islands that Mr. Gregory wrote. There are other people, including Mr. Brewster, that are involved with uh, re- writing about the stamps. Well, I do want to encourage the listeners to see Fred Gregory's website, Post Office in Paradise. You could spend weeks in that, but just start uh, navigating the site, and you'll find endless uh, interesting information about Hawaiian stamps. You can always get a hold of myself, um, inkle at comcast.net. I'll tell you how to find your way through the thing, and uh, I'm sure that Scott could help you too. Well... I use the site myself. <laughs> That's it's, right. It's a, it's a really good tool, um, even for the experts. We use it all the time. It's done a lot to help me uh, learn how to plate numerals. Another issue that was printed in, in Hawaii strictly and not printed in the United States. And widely faked. I mean, just incredible number of fakes on that. Yeah, and it's interesting how many fakes there are out there, and uh, some of them are really easy to tell. And uh, so, but because there are so many fakes, as a matter of course, as far as expertizing, we always plate the numerals, whether it goes on the certificate or not. It always gets plated. Oh yeah, if 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 you can't plate it, it's fake. It's that's basically just the basic yeah. Rule. If you cannot plate it, it fake. It's fake. Yeah. It's printed in a low-tech fashion, and low-tech stamps can be counterfeited, and high-tech stamps, you know, you have Sparati, you have to be that level to be able to do something. So, uh, as a matter of fact, is there, uh, why don't you give them a little tidbit of how to expertise or how to rule out numerals real quick? That That's something that kind of everybody should know, because everybody gets these stamps. No, for, well, a couple things. One is no four corners meet exactly. Uh, the second thing is is that a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the, there's a large number of counterfeits where the top bar of the e of postage is broken. Um, Hold on, go back to the uh, corners don't meet. Describe that a little bit because that's, in my opinion, the number one thing to look for. 
Well, the corners have both inner lines and outer lines, and they don't they don't meet up like like a regular stamp because they were printed in loose type, and so they moved around, and so there's little spaces in between, and so when we played them, we actually described the actual spaces between the 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 smaller smaller uh, lines and the more and the thicker lines, but the you don't have a nice 90 degree corner on any of those. Well, is it true? I've been given to understand that uh, they were so popular, Hawaiian stamps in the 1880s and 90s, that they actually uh, reprinted them back east in sheets and gave them out as party favors. Is that true? I think uh, I heard Fred say that, but anyway. Uh, that's been my understanding of why there's so many. I mean, almost any old collection could have numerals in it, and you just better guess they're probably fake until you go to Post Office in Paradise to send it in for a cert. Yes, somebody that's seen them before and really has an idea. They're probably fake. Now, those would be gener generally without any cancellation or pen mark, right? Well, they make fake cancellations, too. Especially there, Sparati, there was, right? There was, a, there, was a, there was a French dealer who may had a company called Les Facsimiles, and he made lots of facsimiles. You know, they, they just... Uh, a lot of the broken broken Indian postage ones were ones that he made back in the 1890s. Do you see any? Um, do you ever see any f faked cancels on the numerals? And we see many fake cancels on, because of the growth in the value of Hawaiian town cancels. We see fake. We see many faked stamps on the numerals and also on the regular Hawaiian issues. And there's a lot of there's a number of fake covers that uh, that are running around. Uh, it's uh, it's a good idea to get them authenticated, but uh, and also you should always deal with uh, somebody who's knowledgeable. And uh, if you don't know it, then you should always buy things that are at least subject to authentic authentication. Do you see uh, fakes printed on contemporary paper? Yes, um, that's one of the problem. That's one of the key problems is that uh, um, it, the the numerals, for instance, were printed by letterpress. So there are certain characteristics of letterpress, especially how the press furniture is indents the paper. You don't have that in the, in the fake numerals that are printed using either the computer or using uh, Xerox copies. And the platings, the plating is pretty direct, is pretty uh, exacting, and also the way the ink actually uh, strikes on the paper, you can tell that. There's also some collectible varieties that are uh, highly sought after, like the Flying Goose. And that would be on a different stamp. Right. You know. uh, he was talking about the late stamps that were printed, number 75, 74, and thereafter, right? These yeah. would not be the royalty or the um, bank notes or the bank notes with the provisional government overprint. They had scenes of the Honolulu Harbor. Uh, coats of arms, Kamehameha statue, a ship, and um, number 75 and number 81 both have a plate flaw that's caused by corrosion. Well, the early collectors looked at that number 75 as a brown harbor, two-cent harbor, and um, it looked like a nene goose to them. So then they also looked at where was the goose pointed, and right you know, in front of the goose is a little spot that they call a comet. Funny thing is, I, I believe it's just right that they found it after it was generally distributed and it was in the mail and everything. They didn't find, but when eighty one came out, 
the later stamp in 1899, they had a salmon color or a carmine color. They should have known that they were going to, same plates, right? Yes. Different color. So they were watching. So you'll find a mint stamp. The brown one will be extremely hard to find, not so hard to find on the later stamp. Yeah, I found one. Uh, it was described, it was written on the back, Comet. That's yeah. the fir- That's the first name of that variety. Yeah, and it, but it was actually a flying goose. Yeah. Uh, but I, for a while, was plating them because mm-hmm. it's not just that stamp that has a variety. There are probably half the stamps have little things in them that are you, uh, you don't need a magnifying glass. It, it was a you can very, just look at it. It was a very messy job in pr- putting those plates together because there are literally dozens of reentries. Yeah, dozens of do- double transfers, um, different lettering, the, the different position dots that they mm-hmm. used. Uh, very, very interesting, and I, I had a lot of fun with those. I had a lot of fun with uh, the number 78, the ship, finding the double transfers. Right. And that was another fun one. Right. Well, we talked a lot about it today. Fred Gregory's site, Post Office in Paradise. The website for him is hawaiianstamps.com, and it is very comprehensive. And, uh, you know, we as experts use it quite often because it's very detailed and goes into some very good specifics. We lied to you again. Once more, we did not discuss postal stationary paper, and we will still inflict this upon you. We are sorry. But we had a lot of special guests come into our office, so uh, things get bumped. Until then, we need your help. Nothing on the Internet we do is free, including our phone connections and Internet You can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show here today, Stamp Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime. Our address is P.O. Box 539-309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053. We are an APS-affiliated club, so please send us your APS number. And your support of the podcast is greatly appreciated. You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 269. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Scott. This was Mark. This was Albert. This was Steve. This was Beth. This was Stan. This was Tony. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. And if you're still listening, we'd love to thank uh, Stan for his uh, Hawaiian interpretation at the beginning.